This podcast is meant for general health information and is not meant to override any medical advice. All questions will be screened and not contain any personal information. If you want a private consultation, contact us via positivechoice.org or you can contact your provider directly. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Positive Choice Wellness Podcast. I'm Annalise, an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And I'm Melanie. I'm also an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And today we have the very elusive, hard to get in, been trying to get her on since the dawn of this podcast, (laughs) Miss Adit Zelkins. Hi, Dee. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice to be here. And let me tell you, we have been wanting to have her on forever, not only because she is entertaining. Naturally. Entertaining as heck. Um, <laughs> but also, uh, Adit has just a well, a deep well of knowledge that we have been wanting to um, sink into, delve into, delve swim into. in. Yeah. Um, Adi works with us here at Positive Choice. She is a physician's assistant and um, she is pursuing a certification in applied functional medicine. Yes. 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 Can you start off by telling us what what is functional medicine? What does that mean? Wow. Great question. Actually, um, so applied functional medicine or functional medicine in general is really just in a nutshell, it's it's root cause medicine. Um, rather than looking at a constellation of symptoms, so for example, like irritable bowel syndrome, rather than looking at each individual symptom, it's the idea of looking upstream of those symptoms and wondering why they're happening and treating that rather than the symptoms. So rather than giving you something for a stomach ache or something for constipation, we find out why there's a stomach ache and why there's constipation, treat that, and hopefully help resolve those symptoms. So it's really just looking at root cause medicine. Imagine that. Go figure. (laughs) (laughs) Who the thunk? (laughs) And so that's why we were super excited to bring you on to talk about immunity. So this is what we're going to get into today, you guys. We feel like it's been a little bit of a buzzword, right? Because we've been in the pandemic, so everybody's been wanting to have their immune system nice and strong. Um, We also have a regular listener that has been wanting this topic forever and ever. So uh, Cliff, this is for you. What a nice instructor. How nice is that? I was going to (laughs) say... This is this is like individualized medicine, Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess um, I don't know. I I always like to start podcasts off with like asking about definitions. So let, let's define what, um, what immune system immunity. What we want to start defining with? Yeah, yeah. That, so that's a good question, and it's a very broad one because the immune system is a super super complex system that involves a bunch of things, sort of different components, right? Things like your certain glands, like your thymus or your spleen, and then also your bone marrow that produces blood cells. 
Um, and so it's a it it also interestingly enough includes your gut, which ha- houses a planetary level of uh, microbes, um, and they are also involved in your Im- immune system. But in essence, if we want to really just sort of straightforward kind of um, simplified, understandable explanation of your immune system, it is all the components of your various uh, body systems that are built to protect you from the outside world, right? So that starts with skin and, um, you know, lining of the nose and your mouth. And so it's, it, it is a very complex system and involves ma- many different components, but it's basically the part of your parts and systems of your body that are charged with keeping you safe from the outside world. Uh, so it really starts with our barriers. It starts first and foremost with our barriers, right? Your skin um, is actually, weirdly enough, your skin is a giant mouth. So like anything that you put on your skin. So your skin is meant to keep you um, to keep you safe, obviously, right? From from um, infection, um, also to, you know, modulate your, you know, being able to protect you from heat and cold and so forth. So, but um, also it is semi-permeable, right? So it's, uh, it's so that things can move back and, you know, in and out, right? We want to make sure that, that that, I mean, it's it's important for that to be the case. Nothing really in the human body is just like shut tight, really, um, except for ideally your gut, um, which is supposed to be. But in general, everything else is, you know, everything is, is semi-permeable, right? And so your skin is one of those things. And so that's why it's important what you put on your skin, your skin being a giant mouth, right? That's important because um, when your skin absorbs something, it doesn't have the benefit of your liver, which is what happens when you eat something or ingest something, which helps to detoxify. Um, When you put something on your skin, it is pretty much right into the bloodstream from there. And so it really matters. Our personal care products, our um, home care products, cleaning supplies, laundry detergent, all of these things, those are going on your skin. And just because you have a skin and it is a barrier, it's not, like I said, it is semi-permeable and it is taking all of those things in. And all of those things end up in your bloodstream and then the rest of your body is charged with having to figure out what to do with all that stuff, how to detoxify it, decide if it's stranger danger, if it needs to start acting up against it, create an immune response to something. That's when we get people having, you know, eczema or asthma or allergies or things like that from things that they might be exposed to just by um, putting it on their skin. So it's really, really important that we think about those barriers and, um, and those are kind of our first line of defense. So what I'm hearing is you're justifying my expensive skincare routine. I would definitely, <laughs> definitely condone, like definitely, um, yeah, get quality and um, and make sure that you are aware of what is in 
that in the stuff that you're putting on you, you know? Can we get a little more specific on that? Because, oh, yeah. you know, there there can be inexpensive stuff that you can put on your skin that is, that is like that is true. You clear right. of all kinds of stuff. So what what do yeah. we want to look for um, yeah. and maybe stay away from? Yeah. So um, first of all, I love there's a website called the EWG, the Environmental Working Group, and they are at EWG.org. And um, they do a fantastic job of rating different, um, I mean, they, they do, they rate everything, food and personal care items and, and home, uh, like cleaning supplies and all of, all of the different things. But bottom line, um, in skincare, you definitely want to avoid parabens and phthalates. Um, and frankly, um, you can, there are actually really cheap uh, alternatives, which is you can make it at home. There's really, there are loads and loads of DIY um, skincare and personal care products that are that are actually incredibly easy to make. Um, you know, even something as um, simple as um, putting water and um, lemon essential oil as your uh, to clean the surfaces of your home. Um, and so it can be really cheap and, and it just requires maybe a little bit of ingenuity or a little bit of like creativity. Um, but ideally anything in your, um, skincare product, much like anything on your food label should be some words, all words that you recognize and that they would also be recognized by your great grandmother. So how do you feel about uh, fragrance? Because I heard that, like, I mean, obviously, if it's, like, an all-natural extract kind of thing, but yes. fragrance is in everything. And I've heard a lot that that can be very disruptive. Yeah, it absolutely can. And and here's the bottom line, and I, I will say this, because what I don't want is people walking away from this being like, ah! Oh my God, I like, I can't eat anything. I can't touch anything. I can't like, I, I, I don't want people, I want people to understand that ultimately um, everything is contextualized and everybody is bio-individual. And certainly there are some people who have won the genetic lottery and they can smoke and eat bacon and slather themselves with like chemicals and they are going to be fine and they're going to live to a hundred. And then some people who haven't, who, you know, for whom which like one mercury filling and, you know, a little bit of bad food and they're a hot mess. So obviously this is everything in, you know, everything to be sort of contextualized for each individual. But in general, um, yeah, I would not, I, I wouldn't, fragranced things are, are not good on the, like in general, um, uh, essential oils are okay. Um, uh, and even that just in moderation, you know, I, I've seen people react to essential oils. If you take enough of them, if you slather enough of them on your skin, you know, the, the idea of really moderation is great. And as much natural that comes from mother nature is probably your 
absolute and complete best bet. So with like all these chemicals and things, because you're mentioning like semi-permeable barrier, they're being absorbed into the bloodstream directly. Mm -hmm. So this, in a sense, is disrupting our immune system then by by proxy, I'm assuming. Mm, No, absolutely. So it... There, it, that can disrupt our immune system in a couple of different ways. So a lot of these chemicals are endocrine disruptors, meaning they disrupt the endocrine system, and that's all of your glands like that are responsible for hormones. So ovaries and thyroid, um, all of those are, are part of your endocrine system, your, your pancreas as well because it makes insulin. Those are all part of your endocrine system. And so they disrupt that endocrine system. And then the endocrine system is also downstream of that, of course, is is immune responses, upstream and downstream of that. So the the, uh, immune system can affect the endocrine system. The endocrine system can affect the immune system. They can, they, a lot of this, a lot of these processes are not one thing necessarily affecting the other as much as it might be a feedback loop kind of going back and forth. But bottom line is it can disrupt the endocrine system, which ultimately has to do with how we, uh, how our immune system is modulated. I mean, it's complex, but, but the bottom line is endocrine can affect immune. And then sometimes it just affects the immune system in general. In other words, let's say a chemical in uh, on your skin, now in your bloodstream, is um, sets off the alarm in your body, oh my gosh, stranger danger, right? Oh my God, I got to do something about this. Do we need some white blood cells? Do we need to uh, attack this? What do we need to do to protect the body from it? And so the immune system will mount a response to that chemical. That in and of itself can be Um, disrupting to the body. But then also those chemicals can look a lot like our bodies, like thyroid tissue, like nerve tissue. So then there's what's called molecular mimicry where, where the body starts to attack itself because it looks, the body will make an antibody to that chemical, but oh, wait, is it, is it that chemical or is it, is that, that thyroid looks a lot like that chemical. Oh my gosh. I better attack that too because it's oh maybe it's probably stranger danger too. So all of these things disrupt us in that our bodies have to do something with them and if you're lucky they just look you know kind of look at it and dump it but it can it can have any number of responses. The body can have any number of responses and each individual person can have any number of responses, right? So you and I can be exposed to the same things. And like I said, I might be terribly, terribly sick and you might be fine. But all of these things do have the potential to disrupt us in a variety of ways. So it kind of sounds like being mindful of yourself is a good starting point and paying attention. Absolutely. So what are you doing? What are you using? And what's, what's your personal outcome with that? Yes. And also less is less is more, right? You're, you know, I, I'm all for, um, you know, and especially for women, you know, there's, there's makeup and perfumes and there is, there is a lot of messages about what we need to do to be 
to present ourselves in the world. Um, and so we get exposed to a lot more chemicals and not for nothing, you know, we are the ones that end, end up housing babies at some point. If, we're made, if, if that's the choice that we've made, we're housing babies. And so all of the, that chemical exposure now has effect on your, on your, on your, this next generation and on the generation after that. Because fun fact, as a female, you have, you produce all of your, all of the eggs that you will ever produce, that you will ever have, are produced by the time you are four or five months into that pregnancy. In other words, so for the last four or five months, you're, you are, you could be living in your grandmother's body. Does that make sense? Like you're, right? If I'm so, so the the fetus, the fetus has all of its eggs, produces all of the eggs during the fourth and fifth month of development in the belly. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I, I did know that, but now I'm terrified knowing that. <laughs> <laughs> so basically for four or five months, you as a, like a little egg lived in your grandmother's body. And so, yeah, that, that's mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so it's really that, that has so, so many far reaching consequences. And so f- for women, I really encourage them to think about like, what is really important to me and can I do with less and can I do with more natural substances instead of chemicals? Um, unfortunately, a lot of the chemical regulation is very minor and poor. In order for something to be usable in sort of general um, uh, manufacturing, it, it basically has to be proven. The, the standard is just like, you know, it can't overtly poison you, right? But but even stuff that's that can overtly poison you is still in being used. So I, I mean, yeah, there's not a there's not a ton of oversight. So there's a whole lot of chemicals out there that are being used that don't that that really there's not a ton of research on what they do or what the long term effects of them are. And so and less that's is more. Not to like switch the gears, but that just brought into my head the food industry (laughs) and the similar situation we have of certain products in our foods that also have negative effects on our health too, which I guess could in sense tie into our immune function. Um, No, no, not in a sense, absolutely and overtly. So let's think, so just high level view, our immune system's job essentially is to 99.99999% of the time to just observe and and not react, right? Just scan, look, examine, not react, not react, not react, not react. And then when there is something that is a danger, it is to act quickly and decisively and basically not harm anything outside of the, of the target of the attack, right? To create inflammation, to create an immune response, and then to, at the, in fact, at the same time that the immune system will respond to something, it will at the same time also start to pump out 
anti-inflammatory mediators because the idea is to put on the gas and the brake at the same time so that we create a nice sort of moderate, not overwrought, not underwrought immune response. So that's the job. The job of the immune system is really essentially to tolerate. What happens when we start messing with the immune system by giving it jobs that are more than what it needs, right? Asking it to sort of surveil and response and surveil and response and surveil and response is that it starts to distract it and then we can have issues with either immune suppression because the immune system is busy dealing with other things or immune overreaction, which is autoimmunity, and autoimmunity is very much on the rise because when the immune system is, is also, again, asked to sort of surveil and react and surveil and react, eventually it could end up surveilling and reacting to us. I, I, so I'm, I, I'm not the most informed of immune systems. That's why I'm going to ask yeah. this question. So when you're saying that we're giving our immune system tasks or, or jobs that's not necessarily in its, its scope, if you will, right. How are we doing that? What are those examples? Yeah. So, so th for instance, we are, so we have, uh, you know, we, we use um, ibuprofen, for instance, um, right? So we were taking, you know, you have, you have cramps or you have a headache or you have something and you take ibuprofen. And so ibuprofen does, um, what it does is it takes that that gut barrier, which is supposed to allow only teeny tiny molecules that have been digested to go into the bloodstream. But now, so if you think of it like cheesecloth, right? So like if you tried to put a pearl through that cheesecloth, it wouldn't go through, which is what it's supposed to do. But if you rip that, now that pearl can go right through. That's what we do when we take ibuprofen. And when we open those barriers up and we let stuff in, right, right underneath that very thin layer is something called the gut-associated lymphatic tissue, which is um, uh, also, so the acronym is GULT. Your, your gut-associated lymphatic tissue is there right at the base of your intestinal tract so that when stuff comes in, the first thing that it that the immune system does is try and figure out like what is all of this, right? What can go through? What can't? What do I need to react to? What I don't need to react to? And so, ideally, that that barrier is intact because it is kept. It is meant to keep, you know, m the microbiome that's in your gut in your gut and not in your in your system, so that the immune system will respond to it. It's you know, um, undigested food, things like that. All of that needs to stay on one side of that barrier. So now your immune system is all of a sudden, you know, now you've, your, your gut lining is basically, you know, shredded because you're on ibuprofen. And so now the immune system has to deal with all of this stuff that does not belong in your bloodstream, undigested food, parts of of the parts of bacteria, um, potentially toxins or things that are in your food or in something that you ingested. So now the immune system has to address all of that stuff. It has to deal with it. And so it will in a variety of different ways, but that's not what, you know, that's not, it, it is not helping it to sort of remain calm, right? And that's the distraction. 
essentially from doing what it should be doing, right. which is like yeah. looking out for viruses right. or right, yeah, addressing yeah addressing um, sort of attacks on on us from the outside world, and so this. These types of things are really a distraction because the immune system's job is, like I said, to surveil and tolerate for the most part. And if it is constantly in reactive mode, you're not, that's, that, that has consequences. And like I said, depending on your unique biology and the unique circumstances that you find yourself in, it can shift to, you know, to suppression where we're, you know, we can easily get sick or um, sort of being overwrought, which is autoimmunity. And that's, you know, things like psoriasis and MS and ulcerative colitis and all of these things, which, again, are on the rise um, in the last probably decade or so. Hey, everybody. We enjoyed talking to Edith so much that we decided to make this a two-part series. Uh, so stay tuned for another episode next time to finish up the part two of this immune-boosting series. And uh, remember to like, share, subscribe. And until next time, everybody.